Thank you for downloading the Trap One Podcast. I'm Mark, and today I'm delighted to be joined by some of the team from the 12th Doctor Fan Audios to speak about their latest episode, Stop the Clock. Uh, if you'd like to introduce yourselves and let our listeners know what your role is on the series. Um, I'll go first. I'm Andrew, and I'm the head writer for the project. Um, I also, for this episode, I was the sound editor. Um, I'll go next. I'm Isabel. Um, I um, I wrote uh, pretty much most of Stop the Clock. Uh, it was a, a, a joint uh, joint effort. Uh, I'm Pringle Sauce, and I did some music for it. Fantastic. So, for anyone who hasn't listened before, Andrew, do you want to let everyone know about the Twelfth Doctor fan audios and and kind of what's happened so far? Yes. So, the Twelfth Doctor fan audios is um, an ongoing um, uh, fan series um, following the um, ongoing adventures of the Twelfth Doctor, sort of set between Series Nine and Series Ten, um, as he travels with um, new companion Ella Fitzalan, and um, who we've um, inserted Big Finish style into that little gap in continuity, um, as um, yeah, he um, helps her um, through a period of um, helps take her from a period of um, depression into a you know seeing the universe new again. Um, it's, um, yeah, this particular episode is called Stop the Clock. So it was written by, um, Isabel and, um, Caitlin Smith as well. Um, yeah. Beta 4 is known galaxy-wide as an environmentalist's paradise. They've solved every issue, energy, waste, resource use, conservation, all while growing in wealth and prosperity. While other planets seem to have limits, Beta 4 had none. Not even time. The Doctor and Ella know there's something up. They know they need to fix it. But as Ella explores the world and its people, the Doctor isn't sure whether to be proud or worried of who she's becoming and how far she'll go for what she believes. Beta 4. Now, why would anything be happening on Beta 4? What's special about Beta 4? Beta 4 has the best environmentalism in the galaxy. They've solved everything. Waste, resource use, energy, conservation. I can't see. I can't see. There are too many of me. Too many of me. Every environmental issue you can name, and some that Earth hasn't noticed yet, are all managed to perfection. And they've managed to do it while staying wealthy and prosperous. They're the envy of a billion words. Temporal error. Worker 228 is no longer online. Wages terminated. Temporal error. Worker 228 is no longer online. Wages terminated. Temporal error. Worker 228 is no longer online. So Stop the Clock seems very topical in terms of the idea that, uh, you know, we'll have to make sacrifices in order to try and save the environment um, if, if it's not already too late. Is that the sort of the starting point for this one, Isabel? Um, that's one of the starting points. Uh, the, uh, the other starting point um, was... Um, 
sort of, I believe uh, Caitlin was uh, digging fairly heavily into capitalism and, uh, you know, how that interacts with mm. attempting to make a paradise. And um, paradise for whom is always the question uh, that comes up. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'm, I'm broadcasting to you here uh, from fairly close to um, coal mining country. I'm in Tennessee. And... You know, I think a lot of us around here have forgotten our history, but uh, we, um, the coal mines were at one time on the forefront of uh, trying to curb the excesses of, um, of capitalism and, and, and exploitation of workers and that sort of thing. And so when I started Stop the Clock, one of the scenes in there is someone who is having to buy stay awake pills from the company. I believe that was still in there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the company pays you and then you buy back, you buy things from the company, give the money back to them. You never, never quite catch a break. You owe your soul to the company store. Yeah, so that was one place I was coming at it from. And also, of course, uh, the environmental, uh, what do we do to solve our environmental crisis? How far do we go to solve our environmental crisis? Uh, what does it mean if we have to give up too much to solve up our environmental crisis? I think a way you put it, um, I've got the um, quote in front of me because you said it from the little creators chat we um, had with you and Caitlin before the um, episode was released. Was it? Yes. So, um, yeah, you said that it was the aesthetics of solar punk built on the foundation of industrial horror and that when you come down to it, the story's about an Amazon warehouse. And I thought that was like a really insightful observation about, yeah, the script and, um, you know, where it was coming from with this, you know. It obviously has things in common with, with previous Doctor Who stories like The Sunmakers and Kablam. Mm -hmm. were, were they inspirations as well? Well, Kablam is one that I feel like really fumbled the ending in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, it, it, it was going great. I liked it. And then they didn't do anything, if that makes uh, sense. So in a way, that was an inspiration, uh, but it was more an inspiration of, can I write something that avoids the mistakes I feel were in this episode? Yeah, it's a response as much as it is to um to the um yeah the themes of that episode and um how it handled those themes, you know, in many ways, yeah. And then in terms of the music, uh, Pringle, is that um, what what were your inspirations for that as well? What your influences? Uh, most of it was sort of um, the sort of series nine, series ten, mm. which I thought was uh, quite appropriate. There's a nice sort of mix of uh, of those two series. Um, even though series ten is unreleased, I've been listening listening to a lot of it. You know all the all the terrible rips that we have, um, and Kablam as well. Actually, mm -hmm. used a lot of sort of drums and, mm. and pads and things, and they managed to make make their way into there. Mm. Um, a lot of a lot of sort of uh, guitar, um, just a lot of layers as well. I feel like it's quite a emotional story, quite a quite a layered story in that respect. So sort of did that with the music um so yeah um but yeah i wanted it to sort of fit the house style of you know um the whole series as well mm. um so a lot, of, a lot of ella's themes uh is, is in the chord work um a lot of the chords are and, that, and yeah 
That was that was mostly it, to be honest. Yeah, he did a wonderful job bringing in like all the various flight themes. Um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, one of my pitches was, um, you know, you know, to, to like get especially for the early scenes a similar vibe to Smile because we start with mm-hmm. this apparent utopia again. That's the other. So that's another kind of recent story that this one's drawing from. And you brought in those sort of early series 10 vibes rather wonderfully, I thought. Mm. Um, you know, and that came through very nicely, at, you know, building the sense of this apparent paradise before we begin to dig into um, what it's built on, basically. Yeah, no, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of uh, sort of like tambourine and that sort of thing that goes with a smile and it's very, you know, melodic and there's a little, you know, upright, mm. upright uh, bass in there. Which is uh, yeah. As I said, obviously, uh, you know, in this series, you, you've dug into some some classic series uh, ideas. Oh. I I kind of had a, an idea in this one that the the villain was going to be Boss from the Green Death. Um, <laughs> I uh, at one point because uh, one of the characters talks about their boss, and uh, I thought with the ecological <laughs> side of things, was that like a deliberate red herring, or have I just read far too much into it? <laughs> I, I did not write it with that in mind, uh, but it you know cool inadvertent red herring I yeah. guess <laughs> <laughs> that was my character as well that was my little cameo yeah <laughs> I know the line you mean yeah I thought maybe a scrap of code had survived and then uh, you know this was the <laughs> this this was gonna this was also uh, yeah sometimes it's fun to you know like obviously yeah we, we haven't been shy about you know um going into like um revisiting some old um favorite bits of doctor who lore or paraphernalia to like bring them into the series but yeah i think it's fun to create an original villain too or an original mm-hmm. kind of fun setting and explore that so because that's that's a large part you know doctor who has a big mythos to draw on but it's also fun to um you know, always, you know, dive in and be creating fresh worlds for the Doctor and companion to visit. And um, I think that's one of the things I really liked about this. It, you know, it feels very vivid and lived in, and it's a whole new place, you know, um, you know, in the, you know, Doctor Who universe in this, uh, you know, um, fan fan series um, version of this anyway, you know. Perfect. And it, it's quite uh, fitting in the Doctor Who tradition as well of the Doctor promising to take the companion somewhere that's absolutely, uh, you know, kind of paradise, but then finding something lurking underneath mm. that that's, uh, that, yeah. that's not so wholesome. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if the Doctor ever actually succeeded in taking the companion to paradise and they just had a lovely time for an episode, <laughs> it's, it doesn't have much of a story there. You know? That's true. That's true. And obviously a very important story for Ella's development as well. Um, there's echoes of Clara's arc a little bit in, in mm. becoming more like the Doctor. And then obviously that's strengthened in this story. She's learning how to fly the TARDIS uh, and kind of effectively has her own companion uh, mm. for the story as well. Yeah, a lot of that was, um, you know, yeah, I thought Isabel wrote that beautifully um and you know um yeah i think credit where it's due to caitlin here as well when she was kind of um yeah so she designed the um she outlined the story um then isabel wrote the script um you know i think that was sort of part of her her idea as well as that the doctor and um, yeah ella would be you know coming at this world from very different kind of perspectives ella would be meeting the uh workers and um learning about the problems that they face and um working with them to um 
defeat the um you know defeat the villain and um the doctor would be going right to the top and confronting the villain to do his big hero um speech and stuff um and you know it's um and I think what works really wonderfully about the script both in you know, in um Caitlin's um you know um plot sign and in um Isabel's you know um writing of it is the way that Ella and the doctor's kind of plans dovetail together really well right before they come to a conflict because the doctor's beginning to be worried about how similar they're getting and um you know whether he's been influencing Ella in the wrong way basically in what he thinks is the wrong way basically you know, it's um you know which makes for a you know good that they're working perfectly in sync right before everything goes wrong in their relationship kind of beats which is what um I'd wanted to come in at this point in the season so you know huge thanks to Isabel and Caitlin for nailing that so well you know Caitlin's outline was just wonderful to work with really mm. It was it was it was strong. It was solid. I I, I got a sense of, of characters and world, and I, I it was just my job uh, to sort of fill it in and make it come to life. Like like I don't know, like uh, painting an image that you can sort of see. And um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I I um, collaboration can be difficult, but it can also be really rewarding. Mm, it is, yeah. Some, um, and in turn, you know, I adore what Isabel brought to the um, script. There's so many, I mean, yeah, just so many gorgeous lines in this. I think um, the one that I always come back to is just a really little line that um, Ella has right at the start when she's talking to Kitty. Um, and um, yeah, Kitty um, talks about, yeah, they're talking about translation circuits, basically, and um, how um, something like. Um, and how um you know that's it. Food doesn't translate as a rule, and then except except for apparently dumplings. And yeah. um, Kitty says something like, "I suppose once you have pastry, the um your first impulse is to wrap things in it." And yeah. it's um, <laughs> it's, very, it's very funny and very human, and just like a it just it's just a line that sounds nice too. You know, um, I, I like it when dialogue sounds nice. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes you'll be you know doing the scene, and then you just have this sort of uh, really really like nice line or something and you sort of feel the need to sort of emphasize it in some way it's, it's really quite nice just going along and you think you know where it's going and then it you know goes somewhere else and mm. and it's always great to listen through for the first time like with no music or anything you think oh do that there do this there you know mm. there's so many great little little beats so do you write the music at, at that stage is it at, like you starting to work on it at the script mm. stage or is it is it more once you've heard the recording so, Usually I, I just wait till there's the. Sometimes I'll, I'll look at the script, but usually I just uh, wait till there's you know an entire um, sound effects cut, um, and sort of just go from there, listen to it, sort of have a think about what scenes I want to do, how much time I have, and yeah. But I, I like to sort of listen to it through all bef mm. before, uh, like looking at the script. I think it really helps if you listen to the actual episode because I think you get a really good mm. feel for it, and then you can, you know, look at the script and see exactly what you know uh, what's going on. But yeah, and then usually just take the scenes, pop it into some programs, and just go from there. Perfect. And and speaking of Keith, that was really nice to hear uh, Ruth Long um, playing yes. Keith. So a voice familiar to Trap One listeners from various sort of book reviews and, and still book reviews we've done over the last few years and um, we did a really epic 
uh, something like I think three hour review of, of series eight, which obviously Ruth really uh, is like her favorite season. I think so she's really passionate about. So, mm-hmm. uh, so how did that come out? Was that um, through auditioning or because you already knew her? Yeah, it was. It's, I mean, it's one of those things where you um, ask for um, anyone. You know, we had a lot of roles to fill. Um, you know, um, more roles than we had actors, to be honest. And um, but, and we knew that Ruth acted as well, so it felt like a no-brainer to get her in on the project, really, if she was willing. And so we asked, and she said yes. And so I was like, okay, well, we've got this um, great. Yeah, we've got this great role for you that um, Caitlin and it's coming up in Caitlin and Isabel's script. So please, please, please do it. <laughs> so, and she was very happy to play a disaster lesbian it turned out so that's um, <laughs> um, Cathy Worker um, you know she plays the optimism of the character really wonderfully that's a you know thing that Ruth's um, great at um, bringing out and um, the kind of um, but also the you know, and the compassion and um, yeah uh, Kitty brings to it um, and I think yeah the, um, I think she plays the um, lovely scene where um, yeah Kidi um, begins to help Ella, um, you know, come to terms with um, her own sexuality. Is um, that's a really lovely scene, and um, Ruth plays it with wonderful um, compassion and nuance. I think definitely. And, that, and was it the idea of that character to be a sort of a sort of pseudo companion to Ella? Is that is that where it came from? Um, yes, we want. Um, I think we wanted her to be a pseudo companion to Ella, like it's a thing that you know. Um, was going to be a thing for Ella as she gets, um, you know, more developed across the series and more kind of confident um, travelling with the Doctor and kind of being independent on her own and, um, you know, you know, in terms of taking the lead, investigating the worlds that they, um, you know, come to and, um, you know, try to help. Um, and, you know, it's just always nice to pair a companion off with a guest character too and see what that character brings out. And then we had that with Faustina at the start of the series, for example, or um, you know, um, who else we'd have had? Or um, Emily in the um, in episode six, for example. You know, it's um, yeah, it's a good way to kind of show a character growing in confidence, basically, and um, and how they change across the series. Yeah, because you don't want her just you know interacting with the Doctor all the time. You want her interacting with a range of people to see what that brings out of her. You know, and, and you also need someone to uh, show you the world. And and Key's got her own really nice arc within the within the episode as well. Yes, I think it's um like I said, it's really well realised of her. Okay, I like the little love story between her and Mia. That's very sweet, and um I think um and also um her slowly coming to realise that you know the things that she thought was eat about this world. There's also some stuff that's really messed up in it, and um she needs and realising that she wants to help them, realising that you know. The way that dovetails with her story with Mia and her, you know, interactions with Ella works really wonderfully. It's really um, well tied together in the script. I think it's very efficiently written, very layered, and I like that about it. Yeah, and, and her sort of ambition to become a scientist is, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, mm. kind of really nice, uh, really nice element of it as well because they are the sort of the. Uh, it seems mm. like in that world are the you know the people that are really looked up to, which uh, is, is, is something we mm. probably. Um, you know, would would like a bit more of here, yeah. You know, given the current sort of, uh, you know, sort of anti-science, anti-vax kind of stances mm-hmm. in, in in parts of the world and things like that. So, um, yeah, and, and I guess from Ella's point of view, you know, finding a world where they have solved the ecological problems, mm-hmm. environmental problems, is is you know sort of quite attractive on the uh, on the face of it. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. given it's it's such a priority for us. 
that, yeah, you would uh, you would mm. immediately be very well disposed towards it and landing on a planet like that. Absolutely, yeah. So. Mm, and I did, uh, I think I scored one of those scenes, uh, mm. with, you know, Ella, um, but it didn't feel like I need to overscore it because I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the work was done, you know, in the writing and the performances. Mm. Um, so I think in that bit, it's just, you know, um, some guitar and some pads, uh, just to sort of emphasise the emotion instead of sort of telling you how to feel. I think, yeah, that's the thing I think you did wonderfully throughout the um, story, you and all of the composers. We had a big group of them for this. I think we had um, Harry, yourself. Um, yeah, we had um, Flynn. I think we had a couple others as well. Um, that was it. Um, Eamon as well. And, um, yeah, and K Downs as well. That was it. So, whole yeah, a whole big group. It's um, we've been very lucky to find some wonderful composers to help us through these um, yeah, last few episodes, which is um, when it's you know spread out the work a bit more evenly, basically, yeah. so that no one has to do a big, huge portion of it. Because um, I'm well aware that um, composing takes a lot of time, and so I'm, you know, um, it takes a lot of time to build up a script. And I'm very grateful for all the time composers give, and I'm also keen to make sure that they never have too much work to do so that it's um yeah so that there's you know no pr too much pressure on any one person basically yeah. and you said you did the sound design as well Andrew for this one that was yes. uh... yeah and this one was a delight there's so much you know it's um, I think Isabel and Caitlin's script gave me so many fun things to do with like the um with the temporal folding and in the like time factories and stuff of um, characters just being layered over each other. That's um that's such a fun effect to work with. Or just building out a science a sci-fi environment and getting to throw a sci-fi computer making little sci-fi noises as um you know risk to consult. So that's um that's a fun thing to include as well. So. Definitely, yeah. That 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 was a lot of fun. Like this sort of the uh, the the pre-title mm. sting, you know, kind of immediately, mm. uh, yeah, kind of uh, gives you a little tantalising hint of what's going on, and then uh, and then mm. we, uh, you know, sort of learn about it through through the Doctor and Ella's eyes as well. That actually was written almost last. I think I had uh, I I had to mm. uh, um, sort of flush out the episode a little bit, and so I went back and I put the pre-title in. Yeah, I believe that's. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I have a rotten memory, but uh, yeah, I think that, I think that was about it. Yeah, we had some. Yeah, we decided, that was where we decided to work in that subplot with the um, worker dying in the factories. I felt like yeah, we wanted to. I think I felt we needed to see someone die in the factories and see how you know dangerous and bad um, the conditions are there for the scientists working there. I think yeah. You talked about the scientists being revered in this world, and I think that's the interesting element of it, that um, they're people who are, whose jobs and work is held in high esteem but by the public, you know, seemingly through, like, Keedy's at least reaction to it. Mm. But, you know, the public are kept very much in the dark about the conditions that these people have to work in, basically. Almost parallels um, well, uh, the way that, uh, at least here in the U.S., the way that the military is treated almost uh, they're revered and and you say thank you for your service but do you do anything to thank them for their service i mean the government is falling down on the job a lot of times hmm it's an interesting connection yeah i suppose the parallels um, with that are where they see the uh, the people on the street as well who uh, mm -hmm. were former employees yes precisely 
It's um that nobody's helping kind of thing. Precisely. Someone's, yeah, people are encouraged to turn a blind eye to it, basically. But um, yeah, the idea with that, you know, so yeah, we just, I wanted to work that in and I wanted to um, yeah, just have like, and then that gave a bit more of a something for Ella and um, Kidi and Mia to do when they're, um, you know, um, acting out their plan to um, blow up the time factories. They use the, um, you know, they discover the body, they use that information to um, kind of... Um, do an expose as it were and um to scare people out of the time factories before you know blowing it up basically it's um that was all um you know that was kind of a plot we added basically to flesh out the episode flesh out the world and also to add yeah add more to um ella's investigation basically and then yeah interesting how the doctor questions her methods mm. when they are so close to mm. the things that we've seen the doctor do many <laughs> many times across the years yeah i think and this is uh you know like i think um, yeah, i mean isabel's script says it perfectly you know the doctor you know the doctor says it should have been me it's not that he objects to the things being done so much as he objects to um ella having to do them because um i think this is the thing we often see with the doctor is he's very protective of his companions and um, their moral purity, what he sees as their moral purity, you know, it's, um, you know, whether Ella does anything especially bad in this is up for debate, really, like you say, it's nothing the Doctor wouldn't do in a Doctor Who story. Um, but yeah, I think it's the thing he wants to avoid his companions having to do. Specifically, I think it's, this was a question I wanted to start diving into with the series, is um, the companions are often framed as the... Um, the voice of reason or throughout the new series especially um or you know the people who are um you know um the doctor's moral compass or the moral center of the series and i wanted to ask you a question about what that means for the companion and what the doctor puts on them by kind of expecting that of them as well mm -hmm. you know i think it's a question that we sort of raised with clara as well because she starts wanting to be more like the doctor which means she can't be that in the same way and it's yeah so it's um again it's another one that i it's an angle I find interesting that's already been explored in the Capolia and I wanted to, you know, dive into more with Ella as we get further into our arc, basically. Yeah, I suppose the the different or the inversion of Clary's Clary sort of reckless mm. with her own life, um, and the you know, the, the doctors worry about Ella is that she's reckless with other people's lives. Mm. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. I suppose the other thing in the new yeah. series is the that you know the because everything's post time war that the doctor's decision mm. weighs very heavily on him and he's sort of conscious mm. of that burden as well that that he wouldn't want um, his friends to carry maybe. Mm. Yes, I think that's definitely part of it. Yeah, I think it's his own. There's a lot of his own guilt that he projects onto other people um, when it comes to that sort of thing. I think is informing. Um, you know, at least, you know, my approach to his character throughout the series and um, and to Alice, and it's also, but it's also his own, and I think it's his own, you know, he wants to, it's his, um, you know, it's the conflict between his desire to protect his companions and his desire to help them grow, basically, and, you know, what that um does for them. And, you know, and the fact that, you know, he, um you know, he wants to treat them as friends and equals, but he struggles to do that sometimes, I think, and recognize their own capacity to make decisions for themselves um you know and that's a struggle we often see the 12th doctor making with um clara and with bill um you know it's um you know he repeatedly stresses his duty of care uh, his duty of care for clara throughout series nine for example 
and she repeatedly says that she never asked for that through. Um, and that's kind of, you know, in, so that's kind of, you know, I think that's an angle of the character that I always find um, fascinating to dig into, you know? Yeah, I think yeah, the Twelfth Doctor is, is uh, compared to some incarnations, more complex like that, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that's always there with the Doctor, but um, it's the thing that I think with the Twelfth Doctor, especially um, his era, digs into it a lot. So I think a fan series about him kind of lends itself to doing more of that, basically. It's yeah, it's a theme already baked into the character. The whole question of whether the Doctor is going to hold someone as an equal or whether he's uh, going to uh, sort of uh, tr treat himself as a protector and, a, and a, almost a superior, that's kind of baked into the character too. I mean, that has been there certainly since the, the Revival series uh, started, probably far long before then. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you can definitely see trace of it with like Ace too. Again, that's um, you yes. know, yes. Um, you know, that's you know, certainly, yeah. And, and did you rewatch some of sort of series nine, Isabel, to to get his voice and uh, kind of uh, inflections, that kind of thing? I rewatched some, as I recall, but I, I I'm not bringing to mind the exact episodes that I did rewatch. <laughs> Um, I, I have always struggled a little bit more with 12's voice than with 11's voice. So um, when I when I write fiction, so I do, I do think I went back and and I tried to uh, listen to him talk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought you nailed it beautifully. I think um, 12's like speech is about like when he's confronting Rister and he has like a speech about prosperity and how it's sweet and rich and lovely to taste. It's um, like that's, that's, that's his voice just nailed to a T right there, I thought. I think the one that I rewatched bef right before writing, um, uh, before uh, doing that was Thin Ice, you know, the one in London with the... the yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... There, he he really, he, the speech he has there is just wonderful about, uh, you know, you don't judge an age or a people by the great monuments they put up. You judge them by what happens to the common kid on the street who doesn't have any support. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's. I, you know, if if I could match a tenth of that, that was that was a success there. I, th I think you more than met that mark for what it's worth. Thank you. And anybody else who who isn't on the call, you like to shout out to for, for the work on this one. Caitlin gave me a lovely, lovely uh, outline to work with, and it just um, it came together really superbly. I think just the, the whole thing just just clicked. I guess that's a little bit egotistical to say, but uh, no, the outline was just wonderful to work with. Yeah, not not egotistical at all. I think yeah, no, and Caitlin absolutely deserves the credit there. Um, I think there's um, yeah, I um, yeah, I've given a shout out to the um, other composers already. Um, yeah, I think they did a really wonderful job on the episode. Um, yeah, I think yeah, and always got to shout out the cast. Um, so lucky to work with so many wonderful actors. Um, yeah, I'll um, 
Yeah, but um, yeah, because we had uh, Marcus Massey as the um, computer voices. My housemate um, kindly listens to the series, and he he was um, yeah, that was the first thing that he mentioned was you know just how like like there's there's no special effects. That's just Marcus. That's just his voice. He's done that with his voice, and he sounds like absolutely perfect sci-fi computer right there. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, yeah, Marcus was terrific. Um, you know, it's um, we had just a lovely guest cast in general, Ruth and Bex, Chadwick as Keedy and Mia. They're, they're tremendously sweet and lovely um, with their little love story. And um, yeah, like I think um, Bex is wonderful at playing Mia's sheer tiredness. Um, so, yeah, um, you know, um, Jarrell Paul, who played um, Prospero, the villain from episode six, is um, back just as a random security guard here, and he he, he, he plays the comedy that char- the little comedy scene that character gets wonderfully. Um, just as um, Stuart Flisson, who plays the factory worker, um, is you know plays like you know our red shirt. <laughs> this episode's red shirt really well. Actually, he's um, plays some real um, rising panic with some. Yeah, superbly. Um, he's, um, yeah, we've got, um, yeah, I think who else is in the um, cast? Oh, yes. Um, Jack David, they were um, wonderful as Rista. Um, I think, yeah, they play um, a character who um, likes to seem outwardly cool and calm, but um, just slowly devolves into megalomania and um, pettiness. So I think the sheer pettiness of the character there is what they nailed so well, actually. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, them screeching on. Um, you can't do this to me, as um, you know, is the line that's kind of line read that's just um, stuck in my head. As um, yeah, the episode ends. Um, as that role in the episode ends. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's the main that's the um guest cast. But as always, Guillaume and Laura are just so good as um the Doctor and Alba. This is um, yeah, um, you know, it's um, I think Laura plays like a lot of a whole range of material for Ella here, her becoming more doctory, her clashing with the um doctor, her kind of beginning to figure stuff out about her sexuality and her asexuality. Um, which was not we always wanted to bring in. We'd been seeding in episode five a bit and some um, episode eight and, you know, um throughout you know, it's some um, with just um little moments where she's um yeah um has people flirt with her and isn't sure what to do with it. But um this was um, you know and this was a point in the series where we felt we had space with her as a character to start to explore that a bit more fully now, um, you know, with, um, yeah, yeah, with kind of like the um, last kind of third of her story to go. Hopefully we can, um, yeah, give that the space it deserves because, you know, that was something we always wanted to bring into the character. Um, and, yeah, I thought she placed that with real, you know, as always with emotional intelligence and with, um, you know, you know, a real a good ear for the comedy lines and when to inject drama as well. Um, and yeah, Guillaume's just always a joy to work with as the doctor. He's, um, you know, again, he's um, superb in like the confrontation scenes with Rista very, he just, he gets the spirit of the 12th doctor just absolutely perfectly. Um, you know, and he plays the doctor's relationship with Ella with all the layers of complexity that I tried to bring to it. So, Yeah. Yeah, she's got a really wonderful cast. Very lucky to work with them. If you, yeah. if you want to um, let our listeners know uh, where they can find um, your work and, and yourself online. I can usually be found under the name of Lyric Writes Bros. I'm on AO3 writing some stuff. Um, I, um, 
I'm not working on a whole bunch of original stuff now, mostly because um, life has been hitting me kind of hard, and uh, I need I need decompress time. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping to get to maybe an audio project later this year uh, would be um, awfully good. I've got a script that um, I've got to edit up, and um, I think once I get it uh, get it padded into shape, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, it's sort of. Uh, Lyric Writes Prose is going to be probably the name it goes out under and uh, watch the space. I've, can I say, can I say that I've read it? I've, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. For, for, for the, for the record, I've, I've read it. It's really good. It's the script. Um, you know, for, for um, Isabel's new project. Um, and yeah, so that's, um, yeah, that's really exciting. I, I'll go next. I'm, um, yeah, you can find me, I'm Andrew, you can find me writing my original fiction um, under Andrew Davis Writer um, on Twitter, and you can find me um, sharing my fan works um, under at Scarves and C, um, Scarves and Celery on Twitter. Um, Scarves and Celery, named after the fourth and fifth doctor's signature things. Um, yeah, the... Um, my let's see um yep the um yep as always my main thing at the moment is the 12th doctor fan audios i've got a new episode of um doctor who remnants coming out um which is um run by dominic martin um soon hopefully um yep um whenever, yep i don't know the exact release dates but um whenever that comes out it should, it's the next one to come out i believe um and yeah so that's um that's stuff that i've got in the works right now and um, yes, of course, as always, the next few episodes of Twelve FA um, they're coming hopefully soon. Fantastic! Uh, and Pringle, um, Pringle Source, just on YouTube. Um, all the music from Twelve FA should be on there. Um, and yeah, I've just got a few short films and things coming up, so that'll just all you know be put onto there. Um, so yeah, just on YouTube. Fantastic. I'll put links to those in in the show notes this episode. Um, and then just finally, any any hints for the next episode of Twelve FM? Um, yeah. So um, Ella has a Ella has a brother. Um, that's that's a thing that we um, introduced earlier in the series. And um, finally, we're going to return to him and see what's going on in his life, and um, see whether he can finally make a relationship work. Um, <laughs> And you know, and also Ella's going to come crashing back into his life finally, and um, we're going to see how that, um, how those things interact. Fantastic! Uh, Look forward to that. Uh, lots of lots of strings and lots of drums. That's all I'll say. That's great. Oh, well, thank you very much for joining me. It's been great to uh, to catch up on the Twelfth Doctor fan audios, and I, I look forward to the future episodes. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Mark. Thank you, and thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you.